Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 41. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by who? God and God. Every time you see this, it's Ha Elohim, the God, the God, the God, not your gods, not you, the God, will quickly bring it to pass. As Pharaoh pondered the interpretation, Joseph now presents a plan. He says, and now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise. I don't know if he peeked over at the wise men. (laughs) And set him over the land of Egypt. A man who is discerning and wise is the model of a Proverbs man or woman. Here are the reasons the Proverbs were written. To know wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. That's Proverbs 1, 1 through 5. Look for a wise man. If you are hiring, if you're an owner of a company, if you are a manager, listen to these uh, uh, descriptions of a man. Discerning and wise. Let Pharaoh... Take action. You're going to want a man of action to appoint overseers in charge of the land, 34. Let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority. Let them guard it. Guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt. Can you imagine being some of the wise men around? Shoot, this guy's smart. So, so the land may not perish during the famine. Now the proposals seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. They're all nodding their heads. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this? And whom is what? A divine spirit? Wait a minute. I thought Pharaoh was the one with the divine spirit. Hold on. ESV New King James says, in whom is the Spirit of God. I was reading James Montgomery Boyce this week, and he said this is the first mention in the Bible of the work of the Holy Spirit, if this is the best way to interpret this, that a pharaoh, a pagan, sees the Spirit of God in a man or a woman of God. Do you think that pagans notice that you're a Christian? Do you think that they can notice when the favor of God rests upon you? Do you think that they can notice by your responses? Did you guys see the story of the guy that was on the plane? If you watch Fox News, you saw it about 7,000 times. Anyway, and this woman is given the business to this Christian guy because he just said he was visiting D.C. It was tied to the inauguration, as I remember. And basically, he was just there to celebrate democracy, is what he said. And she went off. And she just started giving him the business, and he sat there and took it, and then they, they kicked her and her husband off the plane. <laughs> it was so funny, because her husband's looking down the whole time while she's going on and on and on. You feel bad for him. And anyway, they get kicked off the plane, and they interviewed the guy, and he said, 
He goes, I don't know what her problem was. He goes, I was just sitting there. She asked me a question. I responded. He goes, all I was trying to do the whole time she was talking to me is show her the love of Jesus. And I'm like, man, can you imagine? You're up against the window in a plane. <laughs> this woman's giving you the third degree. You're like, whoa. Well, anyway, it turned out that uh, he was able to give witness to his Christian faith and she was giving the business apparently to everybody that would listen to her or even that wouldn't. The brilliance of Joseph's advice is 20% times seven. Uh, call it a, a 20 times seven year savings plan was uh, obvious to all of them. He would decentralize the stored grain, making it easy to distribute in times of famine. I don't think Joseph was doing self-promotion here, by the way. I think he was just coming up with a solution. It's good to have an interpretation, but it's also good to have a solution. If you want to hire somebody, look for a man who is wise, discerning, a man of action, and a man who has solutions, right? If you hire somebody, you don't want to just hear about what the problem is or even the understanding of a matter, but how to solve it. And there was a lot at stake not just for Egypt, but there was a lot at stake for Joseph himself and a lot at stake for the family he hadn't seen for 13 years because that family is going to face the famine as well. And Joseph is going to become an instrument for Almighty God, and God's working on so many levels that even Joseph can't see everything that's going on. And that's true of you and me, by the way. God's often working in areas and on levels that I don't see at all, and then sometimes I'm able to look back and say, wow, God is, I often say, God is, he just amazes me. So Pharaoh was unknowingly giving the true God praise by saying, hey, the, I see the spirit in him and so forth. And I do ask the question quite often, can people see the spirit in me? I hope so. Can they see Christ in me, the hope of glory? <clears throat> uh, just a little bit from my notes. When a man or a woman is touched and empowered by God, there will be an inevitable difference in their lives and their leadership. It would appear that most of Joseph's witness was in his integrity, his character, his work ethic, his leadership, and they all flowed from the favor of God. If you want a good Bible verse, 1 Samuel 2.30 is one to write down where God says, those who honor me, I will honor. If you honor God, he will end up honoring you. If you dishonor God, good luck. And so the mention of the Spirit of God is found in the book of Exodus in regard to Bezalel. He says, I filled him with the Spirit of God. And Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in us or in you, the hope of glory. Dr. Barnhouse said, the secret power, the secret of power is character but the secret of character is God. You know, if you want to have a man or a woman who ultimately you can trust, it's because they answer to a higher source. Amen? So if I'm going to put somebody in charge as a steward over my stuff, I'm going to feel good about someone who's a committed Christian. The secret of power is character. The secret of character is God. And so the Pharaoh says, verse 40, you shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. And Joseph had to say, wow, really? 
Really? Do you think he had a couple flashbacks to that original dream at the breakfast table? Hey, it turns out you're... Yours are going to bow to mine, right? The family said, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And all of a sudden, all of Egypt is going to bow to a man who was a Hebrew slave. All the world, because Egypt becomes a type of the world. And in many of these verses, you start to see typology come, that all the world will bow in fact, Joseph is in many ways a type of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and they will do it for a Jewish Messiah. Interesting. And so Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Now Joseph has moved from slave to second in all of Egypt. Wow. He's now something like the prime minister. He has moved from the dungeon to the throne. A man, who, a man who once wore shackles now wears a signet ring. The man whose feet were once in fetters now steps where only kings can go. His exchange is coat of many colors ripped and soaked with blood for royal robes made of Egyptian fine linen. The man who once served in a dungeon is now served by those who considered him at one time the stench of the earth. I wonder if he had a couple of payback lists. Now that I'm number two, where's Potiphar's wife? Remember those false charges she cooked up against me? I think one of my first orders of business is going to be off with her head. <laughs> But Joseph was not that kind of guy, was he? See, he could see that God was using all of this toward his ends. He now wears a necklace of gold around his neck instead of a chain as a slave. He who probably walked from his homeland as a slave now rides in the second chariot of Egypt. At 30 years of age, Joseph begins his reign. Jesus himself began his public ministry about the age of 30, according to Luke 3.23. At 30, he's assumed control of one of the mightiest empires in the world. At 30, he's the second highest ruler of the world. Can you imagine this? That's a pretty big promotion. 30 years old. Wow. He's got it going on, but that was not Joseph. He was humble. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring, from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand. This ring bore Pharaoh's name in something called a cartouche, which is an oval. It gave Joseph Pharaoh-like authority. Get this, the Pharaoh takes his signet ring off, puts it on Joseph, and says, you now have my authority. Whatever you press as an official document has my authority. Whatever you sign has my weight behind it. This ring is yours. Wow. He clothed them in the garments of fine linen, put a gold necklace around his neck, and he had him ride in the second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. Can you imagine? It was like being in limousines, you know, with open tops, and the announcers and the secret service running before you. 
Joseph is here. Everybody in Egypt, bow the knee, Joseph. <laughs> Can you imagine being 30? Wow. I mean, his life has just changed incredibly. And I wonder how many times as Joseph rode in the chariot, he bowed his head and just said, oh my God. In the best of sense, oh my Lord. What you have done for me. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph, that name, <laughs> 45. It actually is Zaphenith Pania, and gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of own or on as his wife and Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. Now, Joseph's new name is an Egyptian name and we've gotten more light on this as we've understood Egyptian hieroglyphics. His name, here's some takes on the interpretation. His name given to him by the Pharaoh, verse 45, Pharaoh named him, could mean abundance of life, revealer of secrets, God's word speaking life, F.B. Meyer interpreted this name as, get this, Savior of the world. However, says Boyce, in the last generation or so, important work has been done in the area of Egyptian etymology. And this has suggested that the name Zephanith Pania should more accurately be translated, God speaks and he lives. Wow. Do you think the Pharaoh has come into some sort of contact with the living God through Joseph? Isn't that the goal of every Christian? The people would know that God lives because I'm alive in Jesus Christ. If this is accurate, this is significant because it would mean that Pharaoh himself gave the name to Joseph and of course the name has great significance in terms of what it represents and what he's saying. Joseph also got a wife, and notice her name is Asanath, and she's the daughter of some priest, right? So let's just read a little bit more, and I'll tell you about this. So Joseph was 30 years old um, when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. And during the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly so he gathered all the food, man of action, of these seven years, which occurred in the land of, its, of Egypt. He placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it. For it was beyond measure. Apparently it exceeded the one-fifth or 20%. Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, 
Her name means she who belongs to the goddess Nait or Niit, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bore to him. Now, I'm reading from R. Kent Hughes, and he says, no, she was such of such high-born lineage, Joseph's Egyptian wife, that the pharaohs sometimes chose wives from this family. The city of On, which is also known by the Greek name Heliopolis, or Heli Heliopolis, means literally sun city. Isn't that in Arizona? Anyway, no, it doesn't mean this one. It actually lies today about 10 miles northeast of Cairo and was the center of the worship of the sun god Ra. So get this. He's this bigwig. He dresses like an Egyptian. He may talk like an Egyptian. He's got the signet ring of Pharaoh. He rides in the number two chariot. He's got power. He even walks like an Egyptian. I mean... Now he gets an Egyptian wife who's the daughter of this prominent priest that probably oversees all kinds of uh, religious rites in Sun City. And do you see the possible problem? All of a sudden, Joseph's at the top of the world. He's layered in all this Egyptian prosperity. And what would his temptation be now? It might be harder to follow God in times of prosperity than it is in times of struggle. Would you agree? When we're challenged and we're hurting, you know, some people do run from God, but a lot of people, when they're in that situation, you got to rely upon God. God's your hope. He's your refuge. He's your strong tower. But now, when you're the number two in all of Egypt, and for that matter, all the world, now do you forget God? You got an Egyptian wife. She's, her dad's some sort of pagan priest. Does Joseph lose his faith? Would Joseph's soul be in great peril at this moment? Does advancement in the world, Egypt, provide many trappings that people sometimes get blindsided by? It does. A novel written in the first century A.D. entitled Joseph and Asenath portrays Asenath as being converted to the worship of Yahweh. You almost wonder who won the battle. Which way shall we raise the children? In the Egyptian schools or in the Hebrew faith? What do we do now? That's why we're told not to be unequally yoked, right? So verse 51, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God, what did he say? God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Did Joseph forget God high up in Egypt? Nope. And he named the second Ephraim, or Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction, and just so you both names are Hebrew names. Joseph did not forget God because God had not forgotten Joseph. And Joseph names his children Manasseh. God has made me forget. Forgetting sometimes can be a blessing, can't it? God says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will forget or I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, 34. By the way, that's true of us. 
He, he doesn't remember our sins. He doesn't hold them against us. And Paul says in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a blessing in forgetting. God has made me forget all my trouble, 51, and God has made me fruitful. He's made me forget, and he's made me fruitful. And brothers and sisters, that's me. God has made me forget my past mistakes, and he's made me a very fruitful man. More fruit in my life than I could ever imagine today. And all because of a faithful God who has made me forget the old Michael, my past mistakes. Some of my friends, if they walked into this building and they had not seen me in the last 25 years, they would say, what? But you know what? God has made me forget all of that junk in the best sense, he's made me forget. And he's made me a fruitful man, a blessed man. That's what God does. God is good. Amen? Amen? And I hope he's done this for you as well. These are Hebrew names, and I'm confident he has, if you're a believer tonight. And when the seven years of plenty, which had been in the land of Egypt, came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, let me park here for a second. I want to just say this. You may be in the middle of the 13 years right now. So I don't want to jump to conclusions and speak for you. But I'll say this. At some point, I think you'll be able to look back and say, God has made me forget and made me fruitful. Now, if you're in the middle of the 13 years, Joseph still held on, right? He still believed in God. He didn't give up his faith. But if you're in that tough sledding part, my heart goes out to you, but I'll just say this, hold on, just like Joseph did, even when he didn't understand, even when wrongly accused. When the seven years of famine began to come, middle of 54, Joseph, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, and whatever he says to you, you shall do. Remember when Jesus is at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, and they're out of wine, and mom approaches, and she tells the attendants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's Mary's advice. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. That's the biblical advice. Whatever the Bible tells you to do, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. There's no replacing obedience. And so this is the solution for our personal lives, our marriages, our families, our churches, our nation. Whatever he says to do, do it. Doesn't that sound simple? Oh, yeah. But quite challenging, isn't it? And when the famine had spread, was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. And the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. And as you can see the typology, all the world comes to get bread from Joseph. 
And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger anymore. I'm the bread that was sent down from heaven. If you will just come to me, if you will believe, if you will eat and drink, metaphorically speaking, take me in, believe on me, you will be saved. Everyone who thirsts, come. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Isaiah 55, 2. And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Jesus says, the All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. And Jesus says, Would you bow your hearts with me? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's find rest in our Lord tonight. We all go through seasons in our lives of difficulties, uh, whether it be relationships, financial, uh, anything else in, in our world that we encounter. People may say, well, that was the Old Testament. How can we apply that in our own lives? I mean, someone could say, yes, I understand what you said, you know, that God is always with us. But um, as they're going through these difficulties, how can they know that God is with them? Well, and, and that's just the point, Oscar, that we often look at circumstances and we say God is either for me or against me or is there a God when things are not going well? Joseph could have done that from the time of 17 to 30. We're talking 13 years now. Um, that's a long time to wonder, where are you, God? What are you doing? Now, God was still blessing Joseph. So we can see that he was experiencing some blessings, but as a slave and then in a prison. So uh, what it tells us is that faith is not... Um, determined by circumstances. Faith is, I believe God is going to work this out. I believe that he's not left me, even though the circumstances are dark. But let's just confess it right now, Oscar. That is not easy. Um, you know, we live as Americans, for the most part, I think major percentages of Americans live pretty cushy, comfortable lives. And if the TV won't come on or we lose the power one night, we're whining about stuff, right? <laughs> and so to see uh, this young man of faith uh, behave the way he does and live the way he does should humble us, but it should also inspire us to be like him and, and to know that there's a parallel promise from the Old to the New Testament. Genesis 50, 20 is really Romans 8, 28. And we know, not we guess, we know that God works not some, but all things together for good. And if you love God, you're in that uh, you're in that category. He'll work it all together for good in his time and in his way. And that's really what faith is about. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.